Hey, this is Russell Wilson. This is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti. Welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Who's fired up over Brock Purdy? I know I am. Man, what an incredible performance. Last pick in the NFL draft. I want to call him Mr. Irrelevant. I hate that term because I think everyone's relevant. But anyway, it was a great game for Brock Purdy against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last week. Now on to Thursday night football for Brock and the San Francisco 49ers as they try to clinch the NFC West against the Seahawks. We'll have some picks for you coming up. Our guest this week, Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman Kelvin Beecham and former NFL linebacker Takeo Spikes. Stay tuned to hear both of those conversations. We're hitting the final stretch. There's four weeks remaining in the NFL season. There's too much going on. There's a lot of quarterback injuries, a lot of uncertainty heading into games this weekend. Who's in the lineup? Who's out of the lineup? Including Brock Purdy, who I just mentioned. He has an oblique injury. He's questionable to face Seattle. Starting this week, the NFL... The NFL is going to wreck even more marriages, depending on your situation, because there are three Saturday games now, in addition to Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night. Enjoy your football. Kelvin Beecham's in his 11th season in the NFL, third with Arizona. He's always been one of the league's most charitable players. He's been a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Last week, in partnership with World Vision, Kelvin provided backpacks and essential supplies to children at the local chapter of the Boys and Girls Club to increase education opportunities for underserved kindergarten through eighth grade children from across the greater Phoenix area. Here is my conversation with Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, always appreciate your time and, and love what you do in the community and all the charity work. And before I ask you about that, because I saw some really cool stuff that you you were involved in this week, uh, I wanted to ask you, as a veteran player, when you come into a season like this and, and you guys have high expectations, right? You go to the playoffs last year and things don't work out. Is it different to lead in that locker room to try and get guys to to keep focused and keep their head up? You know, I don't think it's so much difficult. I think it's actually uh, an opportunity for growth. You know, you realize how hard it is right now. You realize how challenging it is. You realize how we've been decimated with injuries. You know, we've been in the headlines for the wrong things a lot this year. Uh, you see it as an opportunity to grow. You see it as an opportunity to, to get guys to understand what, what a process is like. You get an opportunity to share with young players how challenging it is in the National Football League, but at the same time, how to develop a process and a way about being a pro uh, that can carry you much longer than this particular season that we have on hand. That's a great point you make about growth. In what areas do you think you see guys growing? Is it just dealing with adversity, dealing with all of those things that are, you know, the outside noises guys like to say? You know, I think it's dealing with, with all those things. I think it's dealing with the external factors of the game. I think it's dealing with, you know, the injuries and the, the shuffles that you got, you know, all across the roster. Um, but I think more than anything, I think it's, it's, it's dealing with the fact that you have a lot of players that come from college that, you know, come from winning programs and they've never lost. And now they're a part of a, a losing season and you still have to find a way to, to get to one and oh that week. Um, and, you know, when you take that particular mantra, that particular mindset, you realize how fast you have to let the last game go or the last play go and move on to the next play or the next game and find a way to win that game and win that play. And if you're able to do that, 
that's one, how you stay in the National Football League, but that's two, how you find a way to battle back where it seems like there is no hope. And, you know, it seems like the playoffs are out of sight, which in some cases it may be, but I've been on teams where, you know, midway through the season, it didn't look like we was going to make the playoffs. But at the end of the season, we either got in by a field goal or we got knocked out by a field goal. So you just never know how the season will shake out at the end of the year. But that growth right now is what a lot of guys are going through. And what I'm trying to preach to especially the young guys that I interact with on a consistent basis is just to stay focused and worry about being 1-0 this week, worried about getting better, playing and play out, and then let the chips fall where they fall. How much, Kelvin, do you think a strong finish, whether you make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, but you finish strong, you play well, you play hard, how much could that carry over into the offseason and into the following year? I think it carries over quite a bit, to be honest with you. I think it, it sets the tone for the culture that you want to be able to create and the mindset as a team that you want to be able to create, that you find a way to finish. In spite of everything that's going wrong, in spite of everything that's, that's, that's went against the grain or everything that hasn't you know, fell into place like we would like for it to, uh, you have an opportunity to finish it on your terms and finish it the way that you want to. And when you have that that type of mindset and that kind of that type of culture that's being built right now, I think it does lend itself to some of the things that you want to see in the offseason and in the way in which you want to start, uh, you know, the 2023 season. Kelvin, when you have a former teammate say some negative things about the leader, the quarterback on the team, how do you, as the veteran, as a leader on the team, approach that? Do you have to talk to Kyler about some of those kind? Obviously, I'm referring to what Patrick Peterson had, had said. Do you have to talk to him? Do, do you to mentor him? Uh, is there any of that? To be honest with you, there isn't. Like, he said what he said. We know what we got in that locker room. We worried about the things that we can control. We played the, the Vikings early on this year. We didn't get it done. They have their issues. We got our issues. Uh, but when it rains, it pours, and misery loves company. When people see... <laughs> You know, you're not doing the things that you need to do uh, on the field. Everybody has something to say. So it's not something that I think that we need to get into what he said or what she said or what, you know, anybody has to say about the Cardinals at this point in time. I think what we have to worry about is how do we galvanize and find a way to support each other and work even harder for each other. And I think when you take that particular that particular mindset and that particular mantra, you know, people can say what they want to. You got to find a way to, to, to galvanize the locker room that you have and find a way to fight for one another. Well said. Kelvin, tell me a little bit about some of the work that, and I know you're always doing tons of stuff in the community. We've talked about it in the past, but this particular week, right, in in partnership with World Vision USA, you're, uh, I know you've been able to travel internationally with them and, and help others gain access to different resources, including clean water. So tell me about what you did with them and the 500 backpacks and supplies and the headphones. Yes, wanted to find a way to, one, support teachers and make sure that the students uh, here in South Phoenix, had access to some of the most basic things that they need. You know, get ready to head into the holiday season. Uh, know that parents are going to be strapped for cash. Um, and sometimes when you strap for cash, things that you need in the classroom kind of go by the wayside. So, you know, being able to get pencils, pens, papers, backpacks, you know, maybe need a new backpack. You know, I know I was a young boy at one point in time, and I was pretty rough on my backpack. To be able to have a new backpack, you know, going into the holiday season is something that I know these young people need. And then the headphones. Um, you know, I think at this point in time, everybody here in America has some type of mobile device. Uh, so for these young people to be able to have some headphones to listen to music, game, things of that nature, was something that I think was needed. And to be able to partner with World Vision, uh, an entity that I've had a relationship with for a number of years and have done some things internationally, but I always encourage them within our partnership, let's find a way to do things right here at home. And they've been very uh, receptive to that. And we had an opportunity to, to be able to give out over 500 backpacks. Uh, 500 headphones, um, and excited to continue doing work 
with them, even though they're a global NGO, been able to work with them here in America, especially as it pertains to education and making sure the teachers have the proper resources to be able to serve their students. How much does it mean to you to be able to, to be in that environment with those kids, just giving things out and, and hanging out? And and I, I saw a comment somewhere that, that said you would have thought that it was Kelvin receiving instead of giving because of the big smile you had on your face throughout that. So what's it mean to you to be involved in that? You know, I, I said this after the, the event, but I, I get to steal energy from these young kids. Uh, the, the energy that they have and the energy that they display um, it's something that I get energy from. So to be able to spend time with them, I get more out of it than they get sometimes. Um, but it's, it's just so special to be able to, to interact with people who are much younger than you are, who are uh, going through life in a much different fashion. And they got a smile on their face. If they got a smile on their face, why can't I have a smile on my face? So this is perspective that I really get more than anything when I get to interact with these young people. I know equity in education is something that's important to you. I would imagine strides still need to be made, right, Kelvin? Without question. Strides still need to be made, but I would say that there are people uh, around the world and you know, here in America that are working within public and private partnerships to make sure that there is equity within education. Not everybody uh, you know, had a chance to grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth. Not everybody had an opportunity to go to you know, the best the best high school or private schools or charter schools, or even, you know, having some of the best public schools. So to be able to make sure that uh, there's an opportunity for there to be some equity across the board uh, where, where people, you know, just get to be able to have a, a level playing field. And sometimes a level playing field is like, all right, how do we make sure that this school on this side of the train tracks has Wi-Fi? How do we make sure that they have access to, you know, the internet? How do we make sure that they have a tablet that they can, take home and actually use. Um, so just finding a way to level the playing field within education. I'm mean, not saying that it's going to be perfect, but when you have the opportunity to, to, to make sure that it's level, you're giving everybody to, an opportunity to, to be successful. Because we all realize education is where it all starts. Um, you know, even though you, you may come from, you know, a different socioeconomic background, if you had a great education, that can give you a head start in life in so many different ways. Uh, no doubt, for sure. Listen, Kelvin, I appreciate your perspective, your time, and keep up the great work on and off the field. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll do. I was great hearing from you. Spikes played 15 seasons in the NFL. He was a two-time Pro Bowl linebacker. He's part of the Players Coalition, the NFL Social Justice Working Group, and is heavily involved with the league's Inspire Change initiative, which has five new Inspire Change grant partners this year and the new inaugural Inspire Change Changemaker Award. Here's Takeo. Takeo, welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Appreciate your time, man, and wish you a, a happy birthday a couple days early. Uh, I know that you're part of the NFL's Social Justice, the Working Group, and the league this week and, and next week through the Inspire Change Inif- Initiative, we're going to see all that highlighted in stadiums. And, and there's five new grant partners now. So let me ask you what you have seen the NFL do through this Inspire Change and how it's making a difference in communities. I think the NFL collectively, the NFL and also the Player Coalition, it came together to create something quite unique. I think 
a lot of times when we try to come together for solutions, just looking at the previous model, you expect to see the bigger head kind of come up with the ideas and then everybody follow the suit. But what makes this so special when we talk about the Inspire Change is you see the NFL Player Coalition, which is made up of NFL legends and also active guys. And uh, collectively, we come and sit down at the table and toss around ideas and figure out what is the order of priority? Where do we where can we see the immediate impact in our communities? And so I think that's what makes it so different, but also makes it so special is because everybody has a buy in. And like we see in the end zone, that's painted each and every week in every stadium. It takes all of us. And I think just from that slogan itself, it's really a true factor or, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding of when you see all of what's going on, all of the good stuff, especially with the Inspire Change, also the Inspire Change Changemaker Award that launched this year, too. So uh, excited to be a part of it and excited to be moving the needle in the right direction. Well, you just mentioned that Changemaker Award, right? This is the first year for that. What's the significance of recognizing those people who are making that kind of change? Uh, the significance is huge because as we have the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, uh, you're going to see these recipients. These guys are pretty much selected based off of their outstanding work in their community and just the support that they give, not only to their community, but just to the four key pillars encompassing the Inspire Change initiatives. And so uh, by all of their hard work, by all of their dedication and their ideas and their tireless efforts, you know, all through all 32 guys will receive a $10,000 donation to the NFL, uh, courtesy of the NFL Foundation, uh, to the Social Justice 501 nonprofit organization. So up to their choice. So uh, this is huge. And uh, like you said, I'm excited to be a part of it. And then this takes it a step further to really enhance the work, what the guys are doing. And and most times people don't know. And so by being able to get this award implemented now, not only do our community, meaning all of the athletes that are playing, they know, but people in that community, people across the nation will see, man, guys care about so much outside of the game. And they're making their investment back into the game, into the community. You mentioned the Players Coalition and how it's made up of guys who formerly played in a league like yourself and then current players. How important to KO is it to have that different generations almost, right? Guys from different eras, different decades, different ideas, a mix of players, former and past and present. This is the thing, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I think once you have different generations, you give guys an opportunity to go back and do things that they did not do, number one. Uh, Number two, you give them an opportunity to see, to really lean on their experience, meaning they've been a while, they have been around a while. And so with that being said, they see change and they see how things need to be changed versus sometimes you get a guy who comes in and he's new and has a lot of spunk, but because he doesn't have the history of what the program has come for or or where where it used to look like. You just talked about the importance of having guys from different eras, different backgrounds, different players on the players coalition. What about that social justice working group to have players and then to have input from owners and to be able to sit around and, and have those conversations with 
owners or uh, of different teams in the NFL? What's that like? It's awesome because everybody who sits in that room or everybody who has a seat at the table, we all have vested interests. And that vested interest is making sure not only that the communities are being serviced the way that they're supposed to, because we understand that we all have seats in these communities. But more than anything, it's our way of being able to give back and do something that's going to be, um, in my opinion, monumental by having diverse people at the table that comes from different backgrounds, uh, different ethnicities. But we have one common goal, and that is to make sure that people are treated properly and to provide resources when you talk about the NFL Social Justice Working Group. So uh, that's what we're there to do and uh, proud to be able to have grants to be able to give out to grassroots organizations that are out there making a difference, that are making a big change. Because at the end of the day, you want to find people who are doing the work and who, who are doing it well and who represents you well. But to be able to not only find the grassroots organizations, but to allow them to continue to do what they do and giving them a handout saying, hey, look, this is what we would like to see. And so I, I think it's a beautiful thing what we've came, what we've come together as a whole to be able to create something like this. How hard is that process, man, when you give out those five grand award? Because I'm sure there's a lot of deserving candidates, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, it's <laughs> like it's very hard because the truth of the matter is everybody is deserving. Rob, like everybody is deserving. So, um, you know, for us, I think the big thing, you know, what we wanted to do was let's try to do something a little bit different out of the norm from what we typically would do. So um, with the money, 950K, we invested into five new organizations and the priority focus for this round, basically for the grant making for, for organizations working on uh, police and community relations. We talk about making sure we take care of our own, meaning that that brings in law enforcement and you get communities and you marry those two together. And I think that's the best way to be able to see meaningful change when it comes to policing. You even talk about the engagement from the community to police and more than anything, you can create policies from this. So uh, this has been the big thing that I'm excited about in all of the my other colleagues and, and other legends are excited about as well. Okay, uh, you played for several teams who are right now either in the playoff rates, like they're going to make it, the Eagles, the Bills, the Bengals, the 49ers, or in the Chargers case, right there on, on the edge. Like, who do you root for? What's what's your rooting interest? Like when you're looking at all that, hey, you played for these teams. Hey, depends on who's playing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you no, think's got but, the best shot to get to the Super Bowl? No, man, but Rob, this is the thing, though, because when you look at, you know, for me, I look at Kansas City. I didn't play for Kansas City, but when we look at the big picture, and I, let's take Buffalo, for instance, one of my team, former teams. For me, I think it's very important for Buffalo to be able to get that home field advantage because as we watch basketball games, you see teams start to make runs. And in basketball, when they make their runs, you know, it's a heat check. And so when I look at the Buffalo Bills, even though, God, my partner just got hurt, Von Miller, 
even though he's out, I truly believe this may be their year. And so when you ask me what teams do I technically pull for, I pull for all of them. But, uh, you know, it means a little bit more when you see like a Cincinnati or when you see Buffalo, you know, two teams who have been just awfully bad for so many years. And you get new management, you get new coaches that come in and they come in and change the culture. And then they continue to add little things to create their own culture. You know, that's who I pull for because I was there when it was totally bad. <laughs> and it, it be and it used to be so bad. It's something that you would not even wish to happen on your own, your worst enemy. You know what I mean? So I'm proud of him. Uh, I talked to Sean McDermott, big fan of his. He was actually my linebacker coach when I was in Philadelphia. So uh, a lot of parallels, definitely, when you look across the board to see, even with the 49ers. Uh, their defense, to me, I think their defense had been a premier defense over the last few years, but just trying to find a way to get the production from the offensive side. And now who would have thought Brock Purdy would have came in and, and he is the guy now. So it's fun. Um, it, it gives us a lot to talk about as former players. And, you know, I'm a fan, so I'm glued to the TV set every Sunday, just like you are. One of the guys who is a big part of the 49ers' success in that defense is the defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, who played linebacker like yourself. A lot of talk about D'Amico being a head coach candidate. How well do you know him, Takeo, and what do you think of that possibility of him being able to take that next step after all the success he's having now as a D.C.? Yeah, we, you know, we've always had a a bond, mutual bond, just because, you know, it's the backer-to-backer love. And then number two, you respect each other's game. But uh, seeing him come up through the ranks has been very impressive. And a lot of people doubted, could he do it? You know, Robert Sala, he was there. He was the defensive coordinator. And, hey, now it's on him. So could he manage a game properly? But could he call a game properly and understand to put his certain key, key makers in certain position to make plays? And now we look at it, what, a year later, a year and a half later, he's still doing the same thing. So um, I, I give him a lot of credit because one of the things that people don't understand is, yeah, it's easy to sit behind a film board or just sit in a room and draw plays. But to be in the moment of the game and to be able to make adjustments, even not just at halftime, but to make it from series to series, which is, I think, is his best asset as the defensive coordinator, it shows. So I, I got to give him a lot of props for that. Takeo, man, I appreciate your time. Appreciate the work you're doing, too, with Inspire Change and, and you being a part of that. Thank you. Uh, no problem. It's, uh, it's quite the honor. And, you know, anytime you can stay involved in doing something good to not only service the community, but also marry the two when it comes to policing policies and the community, the three, I mean, it, 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 it typically ends up in a good fashion way. So uh, that's the goal. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Thanks brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, bro. Thanks, man. to the AP Pro Football Podcast. The four-pack is 29-26-1. Let's start in LA. 
The Chargers are three-point favorites against Tennessee. The Titans have lost three in a row, but they still have a cushion in the woeful AFC South. Justin Herbert and the Chargers are battling for a wild card spot. They need it more. Chargers, 27-21. Next, let's go to Houston. The Chiefs are 14-point favorites over the Texans, who nearly pulled off the upset of the season in Dallas last week. Kansas City failed to cover against Denver after taking a 27-0 lead. They'll run away with this one. Chiefs, 34-13. For my upset special, the Steelers are two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Carolina. The Panthers have gone from potentially picking second in the NFL draft next year to being one game out of first place in the terrible NFC South. They still stink. Steelers aren't any better. But Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett doesn't matter. This one feels like an upset. Steelers 20-17. For my best bet, the Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Buccaneers. Cincy has won five in a row, and Joe Burrow is making his case for MVP. Meanwhile, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were destroyed by the 49ers. They could still win the horrible NFC South with a losing record. I have no confidence in the Bucs because their coaching staff may be the worst in the NFL. Bengals 27-20. For more insight and predictions on every game, check out ProPicks at APNews.com. for some final thoughts last Thursday night Baker Mayfield did a Tom Brady with a new team that he joined 48 hours earlier it was one of the most amazing accomplishments to lead the Rams to a comeback with two touchdowns in three minutes after just joining the team but afterward he said something that for me even resonated more so than anything he did on the field and and Baker said this don't let the on the field play affect who you are day in and day out. Be the same guy for your teammates. We can apply that to our lives regardless of what we do. Don't let work affect who we are at home as parents, as spouses, etc. I know I got to do a better job of that. That's it for this week. Thank you to Kelvin Beecham and to K.O. Spikes. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, check out my colleague Ralph Russo and his AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. Until next week. I'm Rob Motti, reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing.